is Dmeitzim, which means the value of using it as firewood. In case you have a Yisrael who went and ate this, Truma, so he has to pay Karen V'chomish. But since he's paying Karen V'chomish, it's his. He basically paid for it. Then he throws it up. Now what's the value of food which was already consumed? Not so valuable. It's good for firewood. A second person decided to eat it, so how much money did he steal from the first guy? He stole the value of firewood, because that's not, it's not really food anymore. Okay. Okay, about six lines down, the two dots. So the Mishnah told us that if a person eats and drinks, right, we, we learned there's a different shear, different amount to be chaya for eating and for drinking. And the Mishnah told us that if a person eats a little bit and drinks a little bit, it does not combine. Right? We learned yesterday that if a person would use liquids to enhance his food, right, for example, he would dip his challah into liquids, then that would be called achila. That would be called eating. The Mishnah is talking about if a person took a bite of chalam and took a sip of water. So the two shiurim are not mitzdarif, they don't combine together to be chayiv the curries. Says the Gemara, man tana, who's the opinion of our Mishnah? Umar of Chizda, Yehuda said, I think it should be dependent on the following machlokas, and it's the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Titanan, Kalal Amr Rabbi Yeshua. Yeshua said there's a rule, which means he's talking about in the halachas of Tumah. And it means an item which the amount of time it makes the person tummy, and shiuro shave, and the item, the two items is the same amount, meaning, in other words, if you have two pieces of a dead person, a mace. Okay, so a mace, if a person comes in contact, makes him tummy for seven days. Okay, so there needs to be a kezayis of a mace, of a dead person, to make the person tummy. Now let's say you have two half of a zayises from two different mason, from two different dead people. So Rabbi Yeshua is saying, since each piece, each half of the zayis of the dead person would make a person tummy for the same amount of time, seven days, vishi uroshave, and each each piece is part of from is part from a dead person, which makes which the shear to make a person tummy is the same. It's a kazayas, so they sh- they share. It'll make the person tummy for the same amount of time, and to make a person tummy, they both need to add up to the same shear, which is a kazayas. In other words, you have two pieces from two different people, but they share both characteristics. Then mitzdarif. Then even though it's two half zayases, they can add together to make one big kezayis to make the person tummy for t- coming in contact with the kezayis of a mace. But if you have a case where tumaso veloshi uro, which means the two items in front of you both make the person tummy for the same amount of time, but the two items are two different types of tumma which have a different shear necessary to make the person tummy, or the opposite, shiuro velotum aso, then, or lotum aso velotum they don't share either characteristic, in mitzdarfen. Then they do not combine together to make the person tummy. So Rabbi Yeshua's opinion was the only time it combines together, if you have less than the amount to add together to make the shear to make a person tummy, is if they share both characteristics. Then both items need to be 
they make the person tell me for the same amount of time, and it needs to be both items. The, um, the shear necessary to make the person tell me is, this, is the same by both items. Okay, that's Rabbi Yeshua's opinion. The Rabbanan disagree, and they're more lenient. They hold that even if you don't share all the characteristics, it still adds together. Okay, so back to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, if a person eats and drinks a little bit, it does not add together to make one big shear to be chayiv. So we asked, who's the opinion? Rav Chizda said, I think that's only true according to Rabbi Yeshua. And Rabbi Yeshua and Hilchas Tumah, who has a higher standard of when, when items of Tumah add together to make the shear, to make a person Tameh, I think that's the same thing that hold hold by Yom Kippur, you don't combine the eating and the drinking. But according to the opinion that argues on Rabbi Yeshua, I think he would disagree with our Mishnah and say that a person eats a little bit and drinks a little bit, it does add together. Okay, so that's the first opinion. Rav Nachman says, no, our Mishnah, which is talking about adding together for Yom Kippur, I think that's true according to everybody. Because I'll tell you the Rabbanan only argued by Toma because they held that all Toma is under one big umbrella and therefore it's close enough to add together to make the person Tomei. Like we learned yesterday, here the standard is Yisuvidaita, which is a certain level of satisfaction a person got from the food. And if a person ate a tiny bite and drank a, drank a little sip, I don't think that, that hits the bar of Yisuvidaita, of a certain level, level of satisfaction. So again, our Mishnah said a person who eats a little bit, drinks a little bit, does not combine. Rav Chizda said, I think it's really dependent on a different machlokas of whether or not in Hilchas Tumah you hold it's easy for two items to add together or it's difficult for two items to add together. And Rav Nachman's arguing, no, I think our Mishnah should be true according to both opinions because by Yom Kippur, since there's a different standard of Yesuve Daiti, a certain level of satisfaction, I think everybody would agree that eating a little bit and drinking a little bit would not combine. And we found this similar machlokas. Rishlakish said, Rishlakish said, Our Mishnah is only true according to the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. It's non klalam Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yochanan said, No, I feel the same Rabbanan. I think our Mishnah is true even according to the Rabbanan. You only see the Rabbanan over there were lenient in what makes a combination. When it came to Tumma, because it's one big umbrella. But here, where the standard is Yisuve Daita, that certain level of satisfaction. So I don't think that this, this hits the standard of Yisuve Daita. Okay, says the Mishnah. So the Mishnah is saying the person who ate and drank by accident on Yom Kippur is only Chayev one carbon. So why is that? Because the source of not eating and not drinking on Yom Kippur is really the same Pasuk. Right? It's the Pasuk Asher Lo Se'una, person who didn't afflict himself on Yom Kippur. And as much as eating and drinking have a different shear, have a different standard, which we've been learning about, but it's really all, the source is the same source. Right? We talked about it's the same source, and because the Torah didn't say Achila, eating, that's how the Chazal understood that it, doesn't mean a kezayis, the normal shear. 
Rather, the shear is dependent on yesuve daite, that certain level of satisfaction. And we learned about yesterday that by eating and drinking, there's differences. By drinking, it depends on the person. By eating, it's a standard shear, but it's all, it's all the same bottom line. The bottom line is what's called yesuve daite. Right? So Achila had its, had its one assessment of what's called yesuve daite. Drinking had its own assessment. But ultimately, the source of both halachas, a person can't eat and drink, is the same pasuk. So that's why if a person ate and drank behelamecha, which means with one mistake, then he's only obligated in one carbon because ultimately he only transgressed the one pasuk. But But a person who ate and did malacha, broke Yom Kippur, by doing malacha, then he's obligated in two carbonas because that's two different pasukim in the Chumash. One says, Asher lo se'una. And another pasuk says, Kol malacha lo sasi. You can't do malacha on Yom Kippur. A person who ate foods which are not edible. They're not normal foods for a person to eat. Or he drank drinks which are not a normal thing for a person to drink. Potter. And he's exempt. That's not called he ate or drank. So tzir is liquids that comes out of a fish through salting. Morius is other liquids that just ooze out of a fish. Butter, those are two examples of foods which we would not call normal edible foods. So Reish Lakesh seems to be bothered. The Torah never writes... I mean, this is going to be part of his answer. That there's, there's no good way to write it. But the Pasuk writes, if a person didn't afflict himself, then he's obligated in curves. So normally the Torah will say that it's prohibited for you to do malach and Shabbos. And if a person does malach and Shabbos, he's obligated to the following thing. In other words, first there's the warning, Yazhara. And then there's the punishment. A person's not allowed to eat this. And if you eat this, this is the punishment. But Enoi, it, it skipped step one. The Pasuk never said, uh, I'm struggling how to phrase it, because you'll, you'll see from the way we're going to see the Gemara. The Pasuk never gave the warning to the person. It just said, if a person didn't afflict himself, so then he's obligated the following. So Rish Lakish is bothered. Why the Torah not say step one, the warning? Rish Lakish says, the answer is, because there's no good way to say it. Because why? How should the Torah say it? If you're going to say it, the Torah should say, don't eat. But But the Torah didn't say, don't eat, because the Torah wanted it to have a different shear than normal foods you can't eat, right? which we learned about yesterday. Since the Torah wrote it differently, so therefore Chazal understood it's not the normal kezayis, it's a different shear. So the Torah, you can't ask, let it just say, don't eat, because that's going to change halachas. The Torah, for whatever reason, wanted the standard in Yom Kippur to be different. So you'll say, let the Torah say, lo se'una. Don't, not afflict. But the Gemara is saying, if it said those words, it would really sound like, kum kum achol mashma. Lo se'una would mean, don't afflict yourself. So, okay, so don't afflict yourself. So... Go make a kiddush on Yom Kippur. So I can't write that. Maskifler of Hoshia. In other words, what the Gemara is struggling with, what Rish Lakish is pointing out, is that if the Torah is telling a person, it's like a double negative. Don't not 
afflict yourself. To tell a person a negative command, which is demanding him to not do something, it's a very strange, strange way to express it. Right? I don't, you can have a mitzvah to afflict yourself, which means don't eat and drink. But to have an azhara, which is a negative command, which is telling you to not eat and drink, it's a very hard way to express it. So Rachel is saying, since there was no good way to express it, I think that's why the Torah didn't write it explicitly. Maskal of pen lo seuna. I have a way to say it. Say he shomer, you should be careful, pen. I think the best translation would be like lest. Lo seuna. Be careful that you don't come to not being, not afflicting yourself. The Gemara says, why didn't it say that? Because we learned that there's a Gemara, other places that says if the Torah says the word hishamer or pen, that's all a losase, that's a negative command. So the Torah didn't want to say that because who says it wanted it to have more than one negative prohibition? The way you're suggesting to say it, it should come out with multiple loves. Saying the Torah could have said it as, you should be careful in the mitzvah of Enoi. And he's suggesting that if you would say that, we would understand it's really a losase, a negative prohibition, because he shamir is normally a lav. You should be careful, which is a lav. In the mitzvah of afflicting yourself. We're saying that still wouldn't work, because if you say be careful about a mitzvah's inoi, which there's also a mitzvah's say to afflict oneself, so then it, you wouldn't have the right to learn that it's a lav, a negative prohibition, if, a, if there's already a mitzvah's say to afflict oneself. So then if you say hishamir, be careful about that, it doesn't turn it into a lav, a negative prohibition. It turns it in to another mitzvah. Be careful about the mitzvah hasei, the positive mitzvah of afflicting oneself. Okay, Ravashi says it could have said, Al tosor min ha'inoi. Don't remove yourself from the affliction. So he found a way to phrase it with only one lav, one negative prohibition. And it's clear in the Pasuk that it's not telling you to go eat. It's telling you to, to not eat. Don't remove yourself from the inoi, from the affliction. Where it says kasha. That's a good question. In other words, if you phrase it that way, so then Rish Lakish doesn't have, um, can't say the Torah, can't say the ashara, the warning, because there's no way. Because we found a way to phrase it, which all the halachas would stay the same, and still it would be clear what the Torah is trying to say. Okay, Vatana Maisilo Mehacha. And we have a Brisa who learned out the warning for afflicting oneself in Yom Kippur from the following source. It says, person should afflict oneself. So just to clarify, meaning when the, when the Rambam and the Chinuch counted, they counted as two separate mitzvahs. There's one mitzvah say, positive mitzvah to afflict oneself. There's another mitzvah lo say, negative prohibition to not not afflict oneself. Okay, so there's really two separate mitzvahs for the same for the same actions. Okay, so the Pasik says, a person should afflict oneself, the kol malacha lo sasu, and the person should not do malacha, yachol yehe anush kareis al tosefes malacha. 
I would think that maybe a person is punished for kares, for tosefes malachas. Tosefes malacha means that each day is defined by whatever is called nightfall until the next day. Tosefes malacha means that a person has to add on to the yantif. Well, we'll see a little bit more of this on, on the next Amr. person has to add on to the yantif a little bit before and a little bit after. So the, so the Bryce is saying, maybe a person should be chayiv kares. Right? If a person breaks um, Yom Kippur itself, so that's a punishment of kares. Right? Shabbos is kares. Yom Kippur is kares. Yontif is more lenient. It's just a lav, a, a negative prohibition. So the Bryce is saying, maybe if a person broke Yom Kippur a little bit early. In other words, he started Yom Kippur early, which he's supposed to do. Okay, and then he broke Yom Kippur before it's officially nightfall. So, I might think that a person who broke Yom Kippur, even though it's officially before the day of Yom Kippur, but if he broke it then, he should have the same punishment of Karis. No. Pazik says a person who does Malacha. Which means on Yom Kippur itself, on Yom Kippur itself, person's not punished for Kharis if he did it during the time, which is not the actual day of Yom Kippur, it's just the add on to Yom Kippur. So the diak the Gemara is making is the etzem, the etzem hayom The words be etzem hayom means on Yom Kippur itself to the exclusion of the time before. So the Bryce says this maybe, but if a person ate or drank at that time right before Yom Kippur, maybe he's still punished for karis. In other words, we learned a person who did malacha, who broke Yom Kippur. But how do I know if a person ate or drank in that time before Yom Kippur, maybe he has the same punishment as doing it on Yom Kippur? No. Person who didn't afflict himself on Be'etzem Hayom Hazeh, which means on Yom Kippur itself, then he's Chayiv Karis. But he's not obligated in Karis if he did it at the time before. Okay, so we have a Pasuk both by Malacha, of not turning on lights, etc., that if a person does it in the time right before Yom Kippur, that's not the same stringency is doing it on Yom Kippur itself. And we have a Pasuk by a person who ate or drank on the time before Yom Kippur is not the same stringency as Yom Kippur itself. I might think a person's not obligated in Kharis during that time, but he is obligated that he's, he transgresses a negative prohibition, a lav. So this is a Pasuk when the Torah warns a person. Before we were talking about the Pesukim for the punishment Pesukim. If a person broke Yom Kippur or if a person didn't afflict himself. Now we're talking about the Pasuk about the warning. Pasuk by the warning says, sasu. person should not do Malacha. Hayom On Yom Kippur itself. That a person doesn't transgress the lav, the negative prohibition, on that time before Yom Kippur. Maybe a person 
transgresses a negative prohibition if he eats and drinks in that time right before Yom Kippur. No, Vidinhu, Gemara says you can learn that out from a Kalvachomer. That the prohibition of doing malacha, which applies much more often, it applies every Shabbos in Yantin, still ain't a muzer aleho, but I learned from this Pasuk that in that time before Yom Kippur, a person does not transgress that law, that negative prohibition. So even though there's a stringency, that the prohibition to do malacha is something which is very broad. And still the Torah limited it. It does not apply to that time before Yantif itself. So So this new mitzvah we found in Yom Kippur, that a person has to afflict himself, which is not very broad. It's a very limited case that we ever found it. Is it not a kavachomer that a person should not be more stringent than the prohibition of malacha, which is everywhere? In other words, if the prohibition to do malacha, which is everywhere, still has a leniency, that unless you're on the day itself, you didn't transgress the negative prohibition, so then this new mitzvah of inoy, afflicting oneself, shouldn't be more stringent. Okay, so we know, we learned out four things so far. Okay, we learned on that time before Yom Kippur, both when it comes to the, to the warning psukim, so can say you should not do malacha, you should not, um, you, you have to afflict oneself. So a person does not transgress a negative prohibition on that time right before Yom Kippur. It only starts and when Yom Kippur officially starts. And also the psukim by the punishments, by the kares, both by a person who does not afflict oneself and a person who does malacha, both of those also only start on Yom Kippur itself. Those are the four things we learned out so far. Says the Brice of Allah, Says the Brice of but what's the source that there's a negative prohibition for a person to, affl- to not afflict oneself on Yom Kippur? How do I know if a person eats and drinks on Yom Kippur that he transgressed a negative prohibition? Minayan, what's the source of that? So says the Brice, Yomer Onesh Malacha. The gomer mi'inoi. The source is like this. Why the Torah write a punishment for doing malacha on Yom Kippur? You could have learned it from the Pasuk about not afflicting oneself. That if, by this new mitzvah of afflicting oneself, which is, which is not something which is very broad, something we found only by Yom Kippur, still the Torah said a person's obligated in kares, so malacha shenegis b'shabos is v'yamim tovim lo kol shikin. So malacha, the prohibition to do malacha, which is something which is a much broader obligation. We found it other places. So then for sure a person who did it on Yom Kippur should be obligated in karis. So lama nemar. So therefore why the Torah write another pasuk of karis by a person who did malacha on Yom Kippur? To tell you mufna, to make it extra, lahakish veladun mimenu gzeirashava, so that you can learn gzeirashava connection between the prohibition to do malacha on Yom Kippur and the mitzvah to afflict oneself on Yom Kippur. Nemer onish beinoi, v'nemer onish b'malacha. That it's set a punishment 
by affliction, and it's had a punishment by malacha. Ma malacha lo'anashalinkin hizir, just like by malacha, the prohibition to do malacha on Yom Kippur. That in the psukim itself, it says the warning pasuk, and it says the punishment pasuk. So af inoy lo'anashalinkin hizir. So, so too, we can learn out from that Zereshava, that connection between the two, that when it comes to the mitzvah to afflict oneself, there's, a, there's the Pasuk that talks about the punishment, that's explicit. We're saying from this Zereshava, you can learn out that there's also a Pasuk telling the person he's not allowed to not afflict oneself on Yom Kippur. So, in other words, there, there's four things we're talking about. One is the warning Pasuk, and one is the punishment Pasuk. That's two. And we're talking about two different categories. Do, not doing malacha on Yom Kippur. So that's the warning and the punishment. That's two. And the mitzvah of afflicting oneself, which is three and four. The warning, pasuk, and the punishment. Okay, three out of the four psukim are explicit. Three out of the four things are explicit in the parsha. The only thing that's missing is where does it say that there's a negative prohibition for a person who eats and drinks on Yom Kippur? We know the punishment, we just don't know where does it say a person is not allowed, that if a person eats and drinks, he transgresses a negative prohibition. So the Bryce is suggesting that the source of that is that you have a connection between not doing malacha and the, the negative prohibition to not, not afflict oneself. And therefore you can learn them out. The Gzereshava was built on a question which was, let the Torah just write the punishment by not afflicting oneself, and I would know from a Kalvachomer that there's a punishment for not doing malach. The more challenge is that point. I can ask a question at that point. You were saying just write the punishment by afflictions, and I would know if the Torah punished for kares by not afflicting oneself, then for sure it made a punishment for, for malacha. The Gemara is challenging. You, wouldn't, you would not have the right to learn that out because Enoi has a stringency in it that we've never found in the case where it was prohibited. We've never found leniencies in it as opposed to malacha. There's a leniency in Malacha. Rashi says that in the Beis HaMikdash, Malacha is transgressed to do the Avodah. In the Kohanim, in the Beis HaMikdash, the Torah allowed them to, let's say, Shecht, to, to bring Karbanas, different, different Malachas of Shabbos and Yom Kippur. So there's a leniency when it comes to Malacha, so you would have no right to learn out from there. So, okay, so the Gemara is going to try again. So I'll go the other way. Why did the Torah write both? By both psukim, the Torah wrote a punishment. By not, by a person who, who ate and drank on Yom Kippur, and by a person who transgressed. Why did it write it by both? Just write it by malacha. Ma malacha shetra If by malacha, which has a leniency, that I find places where it's allowed, for example, a Kohen in the Beis HaMikdash, and still on Ashkares, still the Torah said a person's obligated in Kares, so ino ishlohot remechlolo lo kol so when it comes to affliction, which I've never found that leniency, which means it's more stringent, is it not a kol shekin, all the more so that a person should be obligated in kares? So lama nemar. So why did the Torah write that second pasuk of kares by a person who ate and drank on Yom Kippur? Mufnet, lahakesh v'lodin mimenek zereshav. 
to tell you to learn a connection between a person who ate and drank and a person who did malacha. It says a punishment by both. Just like by malacha, it's explicit in the psukim. You're not allowed to do malacha if you do karis. So af so too by Eno, even though it wasn't explicit in the Pasuk, a law of a negative prohibition for a person who eats and drinks, but from this Gzei Roshava, we can really learn that out. Says the Gemara, that's also not good. If it just wrote Kari's by Yantif and Shabbos, I would say you can't learn out there's Kari's for a person who ate and drank, because maybe it's just by Shabbos and Yantif, which is a much broader Isser. We found it many other places, as opposed to Enoi, which we've only found one place. So what the Gemara is boiling down to is both Malacha and the prohibition of eating and drinking on Yom Kippur each have a stringency about them, which makes you can't learn one from the other. Shabbos and Yantif, the stringency is that we found it many other places. It's a much broader prohibition. And Inui, the, the stringency it has is if we've never found leniencies built into it, as opposed to Shabbos and Yantif, in the Beis HaMikdash, there's leniencies for a Kohen to do things which typically are breaking Shabbos. Okay, so we're still holding by a question, which is, where do I see in the Chumash that there's a negative prohibition for eating and drinking on Yom Kippur? Okay, that's the one of the four, right? The punishment by both was said, and the warning Pasuk by Malacha was said, we're just missing the warning Pasuk about eating and drinking on Yom Kippur. So Amr Ravina, Haitana Etzem Etzem Gomer. So Ravina said that he learned it from Shava Etzem Etzem. I mean the word Etzem. Mufne. And there's something, and that those words are extra. lo Mufne, if it wasn't extra, Because then you can ask what you were asking. In other words, the Gemara was trying to learn one from another, with Kalvachomer, and the Gemara was saying, I can ask questions. But if it's an extra Gzeirashava, so then Gzeirashava works differently. In other words, Kalvachomer works that you see from the Dinim. If this, is, if this has a stringency and a leniency, so then you build off of it. The way Kalvachomer works is that if you have a Pircha, which means if you can prove the flaw in the logic, so then you can't learn it out. Gzeirashava. This is a machlokas in, in the Gemara about this, but, but Shava generally works that that's more of a masorah that a person has, that there's a connection between these two words. Okay, so he's saying if, there's, if I have a masorah that these two words are extra to connect the two, so then you can't ask any questions, because I have a masorah from my Rebbe, ultimately from Harsinai, that there's a connection between these two to learn them out. So la'ai mufna, so which, which case is it extra? No, no, sorry, you're right that it's mufna, that it's extra. I'll show you where it's extra. There's five different psukim said about not doing malacha. Rashi says there's four negative prohibitions about Yom Kippur, different places in the Chumash, and one place it says the punishment, the person's obligated in Karis. So why do we need all five of those psukim? One is to say at night you can't do malacha. One is to say the next day you can't do malacha. Chad la'onish di yamama. One for the kares if he does, if he breaks Yom Kippur by day. Chad la'onish di lelya. One if he breaks Yom Kippur at night. So we're covered. 
Now we have two warning psukim night and day, we have two punishment psukim night and day, and we still have a fifth pasuk. Yeah, that fifth pasuk, which we couldn't figure out what to do with, the Gemara is saying the answer is that's really the source. In other words, that's to connect the prohibition of malacha to the prohibition of not eating and drinking. That's really the source. It's like imeno inyan. In other words, it's a connection to a different case to tell you that that's the negative prohibition the person has cannot eat and drink on Yom Kippur. Okay. Three lines from the bottom. So we had a different Brisa that said that it said Inui in two different places. So the other place, Rashi says, is where the Pasik says. And this is a person who had relations with a lady he was not supposed to. So there the Pasik says the word Enoi, and in that parsha, there's a punishment Pasik and a warning Pasik. So Rabbi Yishmael, the Tana, saying, if another place in the Chumash where it said the word Enoi, in that place there was an explicit prohibition and punishment, so therefore that would be enough to learn out to this case to say that's called the warning. So just, just to give one thing, that th- there's normally a rule that lo anash elim ken hizir. That means the Torah wouldn't punish unless it gave a warning. I mean, so that's a rule. What I mean to say is we know, we have a rule that, that says that if the Torah gave a punishment, then it must be somewhere in the Torah that there's a warning. Okay, so the Chinuch says an interesting thing. That why, why is it that there's such a rule? So that the person shouldn't think that the Torah said, if you do this, you're punished for the following thing. The person could think that, okay, so I could take a risk. In other words, if I choose to go and eat this thing and get the punishment, so that's my decision. So no, the Torah said that if there's a punishment, that comes with it, that there's, a, there's, there's rules. That's not a person's choice to decide to eat this and get the lashes. But the Torah is saying, no, I'm warning you that you're not allowed to eat it. It's not, not your decision. That's why there's such a rule. But what the Gemara is searching for, we know that there's a negative prohibition because of the rule, lo anashelim ken hizir. So as much as we're finding things that don't sound like explicit, explicit psukim telling me that there's a lav, just giving a little context, that we're walking in knowing if the Torah wrote a pasuk that says, you're obligated for kares, it must be somewhere there's a hint in the Torah that there's a prohibition. So what the Gemara is searching for is where's that hint? What I mean, it's not, it's not coming from if we find something, we can, we, can, we can make it up. It's coming from a starting point is I know it's somewhere because if the Torah said the punishment, there must be the warning. So the Gemara is looking for some hint. Okay, so he's saying if it said the word Enoi in a different place and there it said explicitly the Azhara, that would be enough of a hint to say so too by the Enoi of Yom Kippur the Torah said the punishment, it, it comes with it that there's a warning. He says, I have a different source. Since the Torah referred to Yom Kippur as Shabbos Shabbason, so you can learn it from Shabbos That Just like by Shabbos, the Torah said explicitly the warning and the punishment, so to here, since the Torah referred to Yom Kippur as Shabbos Shabbason as a Shabbos, so therefore the same negative prohibition, which was said to Shabbos, would be enough to tell me by Yom Kippur. Rav Papa Omer, Hu gufei Shabbos Ikri. 
Dechsev Tishbetu Shaboschem. I'm sorry, the, fir- the first one was saying that I can learn it from Shabbos. Just like by Shabbos, the Torah said a warning and a punishment, so do I can learn from there Yom Kippur. Our Papa is saying, no, who goofy Shabbos Ikri? That Yom Kippur itself is called a Shabbos. In other words, it's not that I need to learn it from Shabbos. It's like explicit in the Pasuk itself by Yom Kippur. Tachsiv Tishbetu Shaboschem. Torah said you should refer to Yom Kippur as Shaboschem. So the first one was saying you can learn it from Shabbos. And the second opinion, just Rav Papa is saying you don't need to learn it. It's like, it's like the Pasuk said it explicitly by itself. I understand why this last opinion Rav Papa said what he said because he had a way to, to explain that it's like explicit in the Pasuk by Yom Kippur itself. It's not learning from somewhere else. So that's obviously the best. But the opinion right before who said you can learn it from Shabbos and he didn't say you can read it into the Pasuk itself. So what was he running away from? Rav Papa, that last answer sounds like a nice answer. So why did he not want to say that and rather say you can learn it from Shams? He needed it for the following thing. That the Pasuk says, person should afflict himself on the ninth of Tishri. So we all know Yom Kippur is not on the ninth. Yom Kippur is the tenth. The Pasuk says a person should afflict himself on the ninth. Says the Gemara, Maybe a person should start his start fasting on the ninth. Fast two days? No, the Pasuk says the ninth at night, which means the end of the ninth, which is the tenth. If it just said at night, I would say that the fast should start at Techshach, the night of Yom Kippur. No, but the Pasuk said on the ninth. So it seems to be a contradiction. Does it mean on the ninth you should fast, or does it mean you should start at the beginning of the tenth? So So the Bryce is saying the answer is that a person should start his fast a little bit early. So this is the source of what we call Tosefes Yom Kippurim, adding on to Yom Kippur. That in one, in one place the Torah said it starts on the ninth. That's only a source for before Yom Kippur a person should add on. How do you know after Yom Kippur a person should add on a little extra? As the Pasuk says, from evening until evening. All I learned is that by Yom Kippur there's this, new, there's this mitzvah of adding on a little at the beginning, a little at the end. Let's say Shabbos. How do you know by Shabbos there's the same mitzvah? of Tosefes Shabbos, starting Shabbos a little early, ending it a little late, because the Pazik said an extra word, Tishbetu, which is a reference to Shabbos. Ein li ela Shabbos, yamim tovim minayin. How do you know even by every yantiv? There's this mitzvah called Tosefes yantiv, adding on a little bit at the beginning and the end. Tamal Omar, Shabbos chem. Because the, the next word is Shabbos chem. So in other words, the Bryce is using the words Tishbetu Shabbos chem, to learn out this mitzvah of Tosefes Shabbos, Tosefes Yantif, to add on a little bit at the beginning and the end. And this, this is the same words that Rav Papa used before. So the question was, why did the opinion not learn out like Rav Papa? The answer is because he learned those words, Tish Betu Shabbos Chem, for this brisa 
which is saying a halacha about adding on a little bit to Shabbos, Yantav, Yom Kippur. Ha-Ketzad. Kolmakam shnemar shvus, any place where the Torah referred to it as shvus, to, to not do malacha, mosif and michalol kodesh There's a mitzvah to add on a little bit before, a little bit after. Okay, so I mean, there's a whole discussion in the post about how much it should be. Um, in the summertime, when a person makes early Shabbos, it's obviously very easy. Just a, a thing a person should be careful with is that once a person accepts early Shabbos, then you can't have a mincha. Right, so a person, a person shouldn't come into shul, Erev Shabbos, and say, oh, I'm accepting Shabbos, and then you walk into mincha and realize you forgot to have a mincha, because then it gets very complicated. Okay, but the easiest way for a person to do this, you're at shul, Erev Shabbos, a person daven mincha, a person could just think or say for a second that I'm accepting Shabbos, I mean, once you do this, then it's really Shabbos. That means you can't go out and make a phone call or something. But if a person just can go, go out for a second and say he's accepting Shabbos, so that's an easy way. It's an easy way to be makayim this halacha of Tosef Shabbos. At the end of Shabbos, the simple understanding is that a person doesn't have to do anything. And once Shabbos is already in place, then it happens naturally. And basically everybody, everybody basically naturally does it Motzei Shabbos. Because whatever time you end Shabbos, it's basically built in that there's a few minutes to, for the Tosef Shabbos at the end. Okay, Vitana de etzem etzem, and the Tana we had in Amad Aleph, who had Psukim coming to say that you're not obligated in Kares if you eat and drink before Yom Kippur. You're not obligated in Kares if you break Yom Kippur before. So he already saw in those Psukim that there's a mitzvah of adding on to Yom Kippur. Because if a Pasuk comes to say, you're not obligated in Kares if you break Yom Kippur early, that means the Torah is working with an assumption that I should start Yom Kippur early. So I already see from that source that there's a mitzvah to add on to Yom Kippur. So Tana de Etzem Etzem, who already saw it from those psukim, Hai betisha lechodesh my avidle. So what does he do with this pasuk, which we just learned out as the source for adding on to Yom Kippur? He learned it for the following b'raisa. Person should afflict himself We know that Yom Kippur is on the tenth. So what does the pasuk mean on the ninth? He should fast. That a person who eats and drinks on the ninth day, that he gets schar, he gets reward for as if he's fasting the ninth and the tenth. In other words, fasting is a bigger, is obviously much harder than eating. I think Yom Kippur is probably harder than eating a yantif, yantif meal. Okay, so it, it's more of, it's going connect, uh, against the natural um, desires of a person to hold oneself back from food. So that gets bigger schar. So we're learning from the Pasuk that a person who eats and drinks on the ninth day, he gets the reward like he's fasting on the tenth day. Just saw an interesting discussion that we know women are generally exempt from a mitzvah from a mitzvah which is time-bound. If they choose to do it, they're, they're welcome to do it, but they're not obligated to do it. So what, what's, the, what's the definition of this mitzvah, eating on the ninth day? Are women obligated in this mitzvah? In other words, it's technically time-bound because it's the ninth day of Tishrei you have to eat. But at the same time, the way the Torah is hinting it to us is saying you should fast on the ninth day, which we're interpreting to mean you should eat, and it's as if you get schar for the fasting. So on the fasting, they're obligated, 
And the Torah told us this mitzvah in a way of referring to it as if it's fasting. So do we say it's the normal rule and therefore they're exempt? Or do we say that they're really obligated since the Torah hinted it to us in a way that it's referring to it as if it's fasting? Okay, we'll stop here. In Tashem, tomorrow there's a shorter daf, so we'll make up. Is that what we leave? Is that status sign as the warning then? Which is the different answers the Gemara was saying? Yeah. That's what it would sound like. So the only eat 50th on the 9th is the prohibition and then we extend to Yom Kippur itself that gives us the last piece we were looking for. Meaning that the last piece we were looking for, that's, that's really a couple different answers, right? We had one source which was that extra possible. There was five sukkim, which we only knew the, the use for four, right? So that fifth, or one was saying you can really learn it from Shabbos Brachus, the normal Shabbos. Okay. Papa was saying since the Torah said it as Tish Betu Shabbos Chem, which means by Yom Kippur, it referred to it as Shabbos itself, that would be enough of a source. Those are really the three options okay. the Gemara is leaving with. The next part was getting into that Rapapa seemed like the best answer to learn in the Pasuk by Yom Kippur itself sounds like the most basic way to learn it out. So why would anybody not say that? Tomorrow was answering because they already use that for a different